Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, the New York Knicks 107 to 77 winners over the Dallas Mavericks. And Alex, turns out the Knicks are pretty good when they play their young guys. Who would have guessed it? Yeah, it's uh, we're going to talk first about how it's a little bittersweet to have the Knicks on this three game win streak, you know, and, and winning, doing many of the same things that we were clamoring for them to do earlier in the season. Then we'll talk about Julius Randle's great game again in his hometown of Dallas. And then we'll just do some other odds and ends about this game. Some other good performances abounded. So all that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA. Or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And Locked On Knicks is easy for you to t- tune into these days because we are now available on all platforms. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And we are happier than ever on YouTube because the Knicks are doing great. Who are we, you might ask? I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. Broadcasting the New York State Basketball Tournament next week. You can check that out on the NFHS Network. He is Alex Wolf, Editor-in-Chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. And the New York Knicks might just be the greatest team in the whole wide world. Is that too much? I don't know. But they are playing spectacularly well. Uh, a 107-77 to victory over the Dallas Mavericks, handing Luka Doncic the second worst loss of his entire career. And Alex... Uh, they seem like they're pretty good when, when they give their young players some run, when the vibes are right, when Julius Randle is getting to the basket. Just kind of feels like a fun young team, and that's really all we wanted. Yeah, and look at, you know, they're, they're like the, the streak killers the last couple games too, aren't they? Weren't weren't the Kings on like a five-game win streak or something prior to the Knicks game as well? I don't know if the Kings uh, have ever been on a five-game win streak, but maybe. I can, I can look it, that up. I feel like one of their most recent opponents was on a five-game win streak, and then I think Dallas was also on a five-game win streak going into this game, if I'm not mistaken. So the Knicks, you know, streak killers out here on top of everything else. Um, yeah, it was a five-game streak for Dallas coming into the game, and, um, you know, I'll let you check on the Kings while I start talking about this. But, like, you know, the it, it is, you know, I, I was thinking about this, you know, I was recording a – our little quick hit video for the Locked On Now podcast, which of course everybody should check out if they want like quick hitting analysis on all the games in the NBA every night. But, you know, it's just sort of bittersweet to be in this position now. You know, the Knicks are on a three game win streak now. And, you know, if they manage to find it in themselves to have a, a really crazy run to end the season, we now have what, uh, 16 games left. You know, let's say that they like go on some crazy run and win like 13 out of 16 or something like that to close the season. You know, we're we're now like, okay, maybe they're gonna make like the 10 seed play in, but we're gonna be left with this sort of vision of like what could have been, you know, like what could this team have been had they made some of these decisions sooner? Because we're seeing now it, what we've been saying all year and what a lot of people have been saying all year 
the younger players were just straight up better. And, and, you know, for someone in, in Tom Thibodeau that when he took over the job, you know, insisted, I'm going to look more at analytics. You know, I, we have a whole analytics department. Like I get the info they give me and I'm using that to inform my decisions. The most basic to the most advanced metrics all told you the team plays better when Emmanuel quickly is on the court more. The team plays better when, you know, you, you limit guys like Alec Burks's minutes at like the point guard spot. Um, the team plays better without Kemba Walker, you know, and, and all these various guys. And, you know, that there's been so much evidence to suggest that, you know, the younger players on this team are giving them a better chance to win. And we, to the Knicks credit, you know, to the players credit, especially like even before this win streak, you know, they were playing in many ways, some of their best basketball in some of the games recently, despite the losing results, a lot of the games were close and a lot of the games were, you know, showing at least, flashes you know like a a a giant rise before an epic collapse you know the Knicks were getting up 10 15 20 points in so many games and then the big issue was that then they were putting in those players that weren't conducive to winning and those players were flubbing the game away and then the Knicks would ultimately lose and you know so again it just sort of it makes you wonder like if Tibbs had been more open to experimenting, to trying, you know, we were talking about in the last show, like RJ Barrett at the four, you know, for a minute to trying playing small, like Julius Randle and Obi Toppin still, because Obi's been hurt. We still haven't seen that that much, you know? So like, that's, that's still not a thing that has been on the menu for the Knicks at all this year, really. And had good results earlier in the season when it was tried just out of necessity. And it's just sort of, I guess, the cherry on uh, the cherry on top of the the crap Sunday that has been this season. You know that this year has been so frustrating for so many different reasons. After how good last year was, and now to see a coach that previously was never experimental finally experiment a little bit and have those pay off in such a huge way is is just really frustrating to watch as a, as a fan of this team and someone you know, both of us and every other person in our general sphere of people, you know, the Knicks fan TV, Pod Strickland, you know, uh, uh, Nick, a time show, you know, Nick's, uh, uh, Nick's film school, you know, everyone else like that, you know, we do this with everybody's pretty much been saying the same stuff this whole year, you know, like play the kids, they're playing better. And now they finally are and, and go figure the Knicks are winning games and not just winning them, but winning by like big double digit margins and, building and holding on to giant leads and it's uh it's fun to watch but it's just i wish we could have seen it all season <laughs> yeah you know there, there's this uh anecdote in in the book of basketball by bill simmons which includes a lot of sexism and some stuff that doesn't age so well but aside from that uh there's a story where he runs into uh everyone cover your ears isaiah thomas at, at, a, at a pool in las vegas and he asked him hey isaiah what, what what's the secret to basketball and he said you know what i'll, I'll tell you bill it's not about basketball and what he meant by that is I, I think is that ultimately like it's about like how well does a team like get along and like want to play with each other and obviously like there are differences in talent in the NBA those differences matter usually the team with the most talent wins the title like that that's very much true but I, at a more like median level like for for the teams that are maybe the 15th best team in the league to the 24th best team in the league I really think chemistry can be a swing factor. I think even at the top of the league, chemistry can be a swing factor. I think that was honestly a a problem with a lot of the James Harden Rockets teams that they spent all season geared around one guy. And then there just wasn't that sort of like 
collective buy-in on offense to, at the end of the season. Anyways, that, that's a tangent. Uh, point being, uh, last year's Knicks, I'd still argue probably objectively less talented than next year, this year's Knicks. I think Tibbs just uh, there was just an article about Tibbs waxing poetic about Reggie Bullock when like Quentin Grimes has been on the team and is just like a better player and didn't play the first 35 games this year. Um, point being, last year's Knicks, I think, were better because the vibes were so good. And as I've been and you've been and everyone's been driving home all year, someone like Emmanuel Quickly, who's like just like good feelings embodied into a 6'1", 190-pound body, like he he's good vibes. Obi Toppin flying around and dunking when he's healthy is good vibes. Deuce like killing himself fighting through screens to keep up with Luka Doncic. That's good vibes. And that stuff just carries over. And I, I think it's it's that emotional component and that energy on defense and also just pace of play offensively. Like when quickly's in, everything just moves so much quicker. He no pun intended, he he elevates ball movement just by his spacing by the verve that he has. And it's true for all these young guys. They want to play the right way. They really want to embody all the best qualities of last year's Knicks, all the best qualities of, of the greatest Knicks teams of all time in like the late 60s and 70s. They're guys who want to lay it out and who want to play basketball the right way, for lack of a better term. And I just think the Knicks didn't have that all year. And on a team that has just average talent, I think that sunk them this entire season. And now that feels totally reversed. And you can sort of not, not pick apart each win, but you could look at each win and say, all right, the Kings, they were down by 20. And then Julius just went volcanic against the Mavericks. They missed the first 18 three-pointers of the game. And it was, it was flukily bad shooting um, against the Clippers. Obviously they're missing like their two, two best players plus Norman Powell. Um, you can, you can point out all those things, but the thing is like the Knicks still would have blown these games with, with the team that they were playing 20 games ago. And I think it's because the energy is so good now that they're not. And they're, dominating these games at least from the second half of the Kings game on and they have to find roles that are empowering their young players to do things rather than making them sit on pins and needles all the time like I think the only guy that maybe didn't feel that way was RJ Barrett like he was the only one who really had a defined role that was never going to really be touched wait wait, wait but, even, but even he didn't early this season mm -hmm. wasn't that the big issue with him like he like with Kemba when Kemba was like at the start of the year he did not know what he was supposed to be doing and I think that really screwed yeah. him up yeah, I just mean like he was never feeling like his playtime was going to be cut short. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, no, I was about to say like, you know, even with RJ, you know, he they clearly didn't know how to play together, you know, early in the year. And and there was clearly discrepancies between how Kemba wants to play, how Julius wants to play, how RJ wanted to play. Um, you know, and now they sort of have found this rhythm where RJ is sort of like the primary scorer. Julius is a guy that still commands a ton of respect and can be a secondary scorer. Uh, and also a guy that I still think he's probably the best one at passing out of like doubles and stuff, you know, and the triples. I mean, he does still get like triple teamed from time to time uh, in the post when he gets down there. You know, I still think he has some of the best skills at finding guys along the perimeter in that way. And then now you have quickly who's sort of emerging now is like that third wheel that Kemba never was where he's more okay with being off the ball, but, also, you know, when he's on the ball is, is more concerned with getting his teammates set up now, I think, than getting himself set up. Um, and, and that's really benefiting everybody else on the team and really helping the spacing when you have guys like Alec Burks out there who, you know, if you have him out there as a wing instead of a, a point guard, it works a lot better because that's definitely where his skill set lies. And, you know, these these three guys, you know, in, in RJ, Randall and quickly when they're playing at their best 
are really, you know, unlocking something different in each other that, you know, again, there was barely any minutes all year that we saw quickly play with those two because it's Hibbs' rigidity with keeping everybody in their, in their little boxes and his neat little piles that he set them in, you know, of bench and then like position, you know, and starter and position. And we have to make a full switch within like a minute to get this full, you know, bench unit in there and then this full starter unit in. And ever since he's been a little more open to experimentation down the stretch here, which maybe it's brought on by the front office, maybe not, things have gotten a whole lot better. So it's, uh, you know, hopefully whether it's Tibbs or a new coach, which I'm still in in support of it being a new coach next year, hopefully this is a a sign of things to come because there's a lot of really versatile players on this Knicks team. And I, I think they have a lot more to offer than just being put in neat little piles uh, that Tibbs wanted to put them in. Alex, I have a lot more thoughts on that and, and what's keyed this Knicks win streak. But first, I want to tell everyone about prize picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? They need to try the award-winning app, prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and we know you will too. It's easy to use. You can pick two to five players and an over-under in their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries. Uh, you could take the over-under at R.J. Barrett points scored in the next game versus days the MLB lockout will extend. I don't know if you really can, but that would be a good one. And prize picks doesn't just offer NBA. They have options on college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. I know I'm going to do some March Madness bets. So for a limited time, prize picks has an exclusive no brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code MBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today and use code MBA $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, that's good money. And with that, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Alex, the word I would use for the Knicks the last three games is force. They're making other teams feel them. And I think they were maybe one of the worst teams in the NBA at that throughout the season. But I look at Emmanuel Quickly's rebounding numbers. I mean, tonight, what he only finished with four or five. But just in general, like every single night, the dude is just flying around. Deuce McBride, he got called for a foul, but he just laid out Maxi Kleba trying to fight through a screen to go after Luka Doncic. Julius... Man, I love this game from Julius Randle. I, I know I know, not a lot of people are big fans of Julius at this point. I, I'm obviously not all the time, but tonight, oh man, I was, I was his biggest fan. Because the Mavs, I don't want to call them soft because they've been maybe the best defense in the NBA this whole year, but they're kind of sort of soft, right? It, it, it's like it's Kleba, it's Luka, it's, it's Bertans, it's Reggie, Reggie Bullock's fine, but there was no one who had any business stopping Julius Randle going to the rim. And in the first half, I thought he settled a little bit. In the second half, it was just over and over again, bully ball, just just going through defender after defender after defender. I mean, he was hitting reverse layups. He was getting right to the rim and just going straight up. It was It was a sight for sore eyes, given that this dude has just been settling for crummy shots all season long. And I think that fired everyone up. And in the first half before it was Julius, it was, it was RJ doing the same thing again and again and again. And as much as the Mavericks three-point shooting, I mentioned in the first segment, was, was a little fluky, I think the Knicks kind of took their legs out by just ramming into them. And that's what 
I love about the Knicks the last three games. They, they were so not that team this entire year. And now they're sort of becoming the best versions of themselves. And it's, it's very similar to the attitude they had last year. We're like, you might beat us because your talent is better, but you're going to feel us at the end of the game. And, and that's what we've gotten from the Knicks the last few nights. Yeah, I think I saw from someone on Twitter, it might have been someone in the building who knows it. I, I don't know if it's substantiated or not. It was from a reporter or something, but apparently Julius was uh, saying loud enough for people to hear it at different points in this game. This is my court. This is my court. Uh, you know, considering it's his hometown and he was just utterly dominating uh, the Mavs in this game. And I agree. I mean, I liked the force that he was playing with. Um, I liked what RJ Barrett was doing as well particularly in the second quarter, it was sort of like RJ was the hero of the first half. Julius was the hero of the second half in this one, which sometimes those roles are reversed. Um, I don't really care. As long as someone's a hero at any given moment in the game, I'm fine with it as long as they're both playing well. I love when they're both playing well. Um, You know, so RJ, yeah, like second quarter just decided, all right, it's RJ time and just started getting inside, getting his layups wherever he wanted them. You know, finding that sliver of space I was mentioning the other day, talking about how he's been playing lately and just finding a way to finesse that layup in there. Also got to the free throw line five times, hit four of them, which actually is low for him lately, but 80% is a great number for him. And then Julius, too, to your point, you know, second half, just he should have been doing the the too small or weight room, you know, taunt on guys because it was just like nobody could guard him for anything. He got to the line 10 times, hit seven of them. That's great to see, too. Three-point shot was there, three of seven shooting from three. Um, and the biggest thing, I think, too, was uh, – well, I got to shout out, if we're talking about forceful play, too, if that's going to be the theme of this segment, I got to talk about Mitchell Robinson, too, and what he did early in this game where, I mean, he just brutalized whoever was out there for the Mavs. And I think that he got – I think he had a little bit of a minutes limit today because of whatever sickness was ailing him. The other day, he only wound up playing 24 minutes. He got pulled pretty early you know, in the in the first quarter into his stint. And I, I think he was getting sort of shorter bits of run just to keep him fresh with whatever it was he's feeling, his non-COVID illness. Um, but 11 points, 11 boards for him, three three blocks and two steals in 24 minutes, four or four shooting. And, I mean, he just physically annihilated the Mavs in this game. I mean, he was doing everything that he does best, like, almost an equal split of offensive and defensive rebounds, which he's become so well-known for now. Uh, five O boards, six D boards. And it, just anything that was coming off the hoop was his, basically. And there was nothing that any player on the Mavs could do to stop it. And, you know, it's funny, actually. You know, I it, this was the first game in a few years that notably was absent of any Chris Stapps Porzingis. Uh, and, you know, as much as I think it's hilarious that the Mavs essentially had to salary dump him for Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Davis Bertans, I think uh, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting to think that had they had Porzingis, I don't know how much he would have helped on the boards, but he would have at least presented a little more of a threat to, you know, Mitch or any of the other guys on the Knicks trying to finish on the inside. If I was a Mavs fan after watching this game against the Knicks, who have not been very good all year, and have suddenly decided that they're just able to get to the rim whenever they want, I would be a little worried about how things are going to go in the playoffs because I don't think the Mavs have anything in the way of rim protection right now. And I was well on display in this game. They're not they're not scaring anybody on the inside right now. They're they're not 
imposing at all. <laughs> RJ Barrett literally posted up Dwight Powell on one play and, and drew a foul like that. Yeah, that that, that happened. And I want to I want to finish up this segment talking about RJ because man, it was just it was just more like just insane flashes of skill. Like the circus shot he threw in over Reggie Bullock. I I loved it any time Reggie Bullock was matched up on a young Nick because you you know like. The, the Knicks guys are sort of licking their chops being like, all right, I know you're a good defender, but I, I went at you all last year. I know all your tricks. I'm going to take advantage of you. And R- RJ did that a couple of times. Um, like just some, some great passing from RJ Barrett, which is what we've been asking for all season long. I mean, he, he has the, the hook lob to Mitch just on lock at this point, but some of his cross court feeds were, were just picture perfect driving. And he he's gotten to the point now where he can, he, he just plays with so much strength in terms of his passing where he can get velocity in the ball, but at the same time, there's a soft touch to it. And, and I mean, this is something that maybe picked up from his godfather, Steve Nash, but he, he sets guys up w- with, with a type of pass that makes it very easy for them to shoot that, that are easy catches. Like I think sometimes that's the issue with Randall is that he doesn't know how to switch up his velocities, like any great quarterback or any great pitcher, everything's a hundred miles per hour. Our RJ, I think allows guys to get off really clean looks, um, beyond that, uh, scored on a backdoor cut, which I really love. I always want more of that from RJ. And then one of my favorite plays of this game was Emmanuel quickly just speeding into a little dribble handoff with RJ that turned into a pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson for another lob dunk. Anytime you get IQ and RJ and Mitch in the same action is great. And the Knicks, I've noticed that a lot as IQ and RJ are actually playing together now. They keep running that same dribble handoff with IQ to RJ. And it works so well because you have to stick with IQ because you, he's the way he's shooting now. you got to respect his shot. And he has so much speed. It just gets RJ that extra step downhill. And we're seeing RJ continually beat guys from a standstill. You give him a step, it just feels like it's over, especially to your point against a team like the Mavs that doesn't have that rim protection. That's what allowed RJ to excel. Like Again and again, he was getting his defender on his hip. And someone like Dwight Powell had to step up, and he didn't have a chance in the world at stopping Mitchell Robinson from getting an easy dunk. But Alex, I got to imagine this newfound physicality from RJ is probably because he must just be on a hundred percent all built bar diet. I'm going to make a different recommendation. I think the Mavericks need to start eating some built bars. You know, uh, get that conditioning up. I got called out on YouTube for never showing off the built bars themselves, so I've got one in hand today to show off before I do this ad read. YouTube exclusive content here. Uh, but you know, you guys know what time it is. It's it's March. You know, it's if I say New Year's resolution, most of you are probably like, oh, that's that thing that I gave up on a month ago. But I've been sticking with mine. I've been trying to eat healthier. And part of that has been eating some delicious built Bars, which, you know, they they taste like candy bar. If you look at it, it looks like a candy bar. Uh, you would think that it, it definitely is. I'm not going to eat one because I'm not I'm not rude. I don't chew and talk with my mouth full. Um, but, you know, built Bars they give you that same sensation of eating a candy bar without all those calories, without all that guilt, without all that fat and the sugar and all the stuff that makes those things taste good, but ultimately makes them bad for you. Built bars. It's like a, it's like an oxymoron. They taste good and they're good for you. I, I don't know how they do it, but they managed to do it somehow. And the crazy thing with built bars too, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They all have a hundred around 130 calories, four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. That is not a lot compared to 17 whopping grams of protein. That is a lot. You'd have to eat like two steaks to get that amount of protein. And that's going to have a lot more fat too. Uh, so if, if you compare that to many other foods, but especially candy bars, it's not even close. Built bars are so much better for you. And they taste just as good as a candy bar. They're chewy. They're chocolatey. 
They're in the case of this one, peanut buttery. I got a peanut butter one here. They're a fantastic thing to eat. Fantastic way to eat something healthy to to get you uh, in better shape if you're trying to do that in the new year here. So go to built.com and use promo code locked15 if you want to get some for yourself and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Gavin, moving right along with our discussion here. Um, yeah, man, it's it's fun being able to just kind of bounce around and talk about things we love in a game again. Um, I'm going to give some shout-outs to Emmanuel quickly. Um, you know, I, this wasn't the most statistically impressive game for him, especially after the last couple games where, you know, he's been scoring like 20-plus, um, you know, shooting like 50% from the field, whatever. Uh, this was almost in, in some ways like a – a throwback game to what it's been like for the whole season for quickly, as far as how his impact works, but you know, also more of a, a more contemporary game in the fact that he was given a long leash and given, you know, 30 plus minutes to be out there, even if the shot wasn't falling, because now again, you know, not to keep beating the same drum from start to finish in the show, but like, Tibbs, for whatever reason now, has had his eyes open to the fact that, you know, oh, quickly might shoot two of eight and score nine points in a game and not hit a three, you know, go 0-4 from three for a game, but still massively impact the game positively. And that was the case in this game. He was a plus 28 in 31 minutes. That was the highest plus minus of anyone on the team uh, and definitely the best like plus minus to minutes ratio of anybody in the game. Uh, but, you know, ends with nine points, but also six boards, to your point, where he's really asserting himself on the rebounding end and six assists. You know, he was doing such a good job. He's just all the time now. He's busting out the Nash dribble, you know, getting getting down into the paint, dribbling around the baseline, looking for someone. If he doesn't find someone, bring it all the way back out or kick it out to someone, reset the offense real quick. But making that motion happen quick, you know, so that pun pun intended. I'm not even going to say pun not intended. Um, making that action happen quickly um, and, you know, getting other people involved, you know, early in the shot clock. So that then we're not running into situations like earlier in the season where the biggest Achilles heel to the Knicks offense, I think was not a lack of talent, but a lack of creativity and a lack of getting things set up early enough to do anything creative other than just kind of handing it to someone and playing your turn, my turn with the ball. Uh, so, you know, I, I love what he's been bringing. I, I'll continue to love what he's been bringing. I also, uh, you know, another thing that stuck with me in this game from him, which has been sticking for a while, but, you know, just another too strong moment, which again, just sort of underscored just how weak the maps are, was quickly also at his own moment where he got inside. And I think he had Kleber on him. Yes, uh, And I mean, that did, they ran him out there as their center for a while and that's another thing where i'm just like that is not enough protection to protect anything uh with him as your center but quickly drew the switch on him and didn't actually get that great of a step on him but just flat out overpowered him to the hoop and just sort of like put his shoulder down a little bit but just let his momentum do the work with essentially throwing kleba to the ground and uh you know finishing a layup over him and it's just an awesome uh moment you know an awesome field goal from him and uh, it, just the latest in a long line of things where it's it's that sort of growth that we're seeing from quickly that now, you know, now we're sort of having to revisit all of our most lofty takes, which 
often didn't happen at the same time for all these young guys, like all at once. So like RJ quickly and Mitch all sort of look like they're on this path towards, I don't want to say superstardom for all of them. I think RJ is the most likely that you could say like, yeah, I think he's probably headed that direction right now, but all of them are at least headed towards the path of like high quality NBA players, high quality NBA starters and quickly continuing to get inside and continuing to, you know, really pound opposing defenses in the paint, which was something that he quite frankly looked afraid to do last year uh, is just an awesome development. And I I hope that he keeps it going all the way through the end of the season here. Yeah. I mean, I want to highlight a a different play though. That one was amazing. Um, I've said all year that I, even though, it hasn't really happened that Julius Randall and Emmanuel quickly would be a really good two man combo and quickly could bring the best out of Randall. And there was a play where we had that tonight where um, they, they basically, they ran like a little pick and roll. They drew a switch. Uh, Randall kind of uh, like backed down a little bit. IQ's man kind of helped over to him. Uh, he kicked it back to IQ. IQ had a pump and drive drew Maxi Kleba over and just threw like a little hook pass over the top to Randall who, who nailed a wide open three. And it's similar to the actions we saw from Fournier and, and Randall this year. I wanted to compare it to Kemba and Randall, but I, I literally can't think of a moment all year where those two had any discernible chemistry with each other. So sorry, I can't remember. Preseason reference game one, maybe. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. No, literally, um, Kemba threw Randall a pass and he, and he airballed a corner three. And I think that was that was probably their single greatest highlight of the entire year. I, I really do remember that. Um, even though it sounds like it's just like a mad libs of, of bad Knicks things that happen. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I, I think quickly's verve brings out the best in Julius Randall. Like, and that, that's what we talk about all the time with Julius. You want to just encourage his best tendencies because his best tendencies are really good. His best tendencies are a second team all NBA guy. And, and I think IQ does that. And I just like, I, I wouldn't mind 90% of the minutes that Randall's on the floor for the rest of the season. He's, he's playing with Emmanuel quickly because I think, again, it, it's some of the same stuff as Fournier, but quickly just gives you so much more juice on the ball than Fournier does. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm in complete agreement there. Um, trying to think who else who else did. Oh, you know who I you know who we got to give a shout out to Taj Gibson, man. Yes, he, he got the he got the post game walk off interview. It was such a great interview. We learned today via his interview with Mike and Clyde that uh, Taj to keep his youthful essence. And this explains so much, quite frankly, to keep his youthful essence. He apparently. Uh, works out with the kids and is constantly, you know, out there shooting with them after practice or whatever. Like he considers himself, I guess, his click on the team is like Crimes and Deuce and like Sims and whoever else. Uh, so does that surprise you in the slightest or does that just kind of make it all make sense with this Benjamin Button man of a player who had 11 points, five boards, four, six shooting, a nice corner three in this game and just provided that stable presence that like Sims just Sims was a little foul happy today. And, you know, he just got kind of benched because of it. They they wanted a more stable presence out there. Taj provided it, but like, does it all make sense now knowing who his, uh, his running mates are and what his like general attitude is here? I thought you were going to say he drank unicorn blood in the forbidden forest, but th- <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's a good, that's only a temporary solution, Gavin. You need yeah, right. a sorcerer's yeah. stone. To get yeah. true immortality, okay? Right, yeah. It's, it's it's an extended life, but it's a cursed life. And Taj Gibson leads, leads a hashtag blessed life, man. He, he was so good in this game. I mean, he's suddenly hitting three-pointers, Um, like looked extremely fluid inside. Like, I mean, you want to talk about, again, good vibes. Like, I think Taj Gibson is that embodied. And 
just like I, I can't imagine again because this is something we've we touch on but we can't really get into depth to just because we're, we're not around the team every day but my gut feeling is like I just think all the young guys on this team are very mature and seemingly really good people and I was I was talking to someone who like works with the Westchester Knicks the other day and he was kind of just confirming that about Deuce and saying like yeah that, that's sort of that, that's who he is um and and that's my feeling but I'm sure on the inside a lot of those guys have been feeling pretty crappy about how the season has gone. They probably felt like we felt, hey, I could be helping this team. I could be making a difference. But even when the guys ahead of me play like crap, I'm never going to get a chance and, and until the season is, to your point, lost, because that's just what Tibbs decided to do this year. And I, I don't think we can underestimate how important someone like Taj was to keeping those guys like locked in because it's really easy when you're 21 22 23 to say like screw this i'm out um but taj is worth every penny because i think he single-handedly says nah just keep keep your head down it'll all work out and lo and behold it finally is yeah yeah certainly uh i can't really think of too much more to gush about here the last thing that i want to touch on before we sign off gavin is my favorite moment of the game which was when clyde frazier who Tragically, uh, our good buddy Mark Berman got it must have tracked down uh, Clyde somewhere on the road and gotten a couple quotes from him about Clyde. Clyde is going to be the first person ever to be inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame as a player and a broadcaster, which first off, congrats to Clyde. That is amazing. Uh, but the sad part is, is that Berman uh, got it out of Clyde that there might be an expiration date on his announcing career and it might be 80 years old which means we have about three years left of Clyde broadcasting uh which would suck but his amazing moment of today's game was Luka Doncic got his 14th tech of the year um and, which puts him two away from getting the the mandatory one game suspension uh, and I think a fine uh for getting too many technicals in the season and he proceeded to call Doncic a crybaby about six or seven times in a row. He's like, he's a crybaby. He's a baby. He's a crybaby. He's a crybaby, Mike. He's a crybaby. And then, and then like cherry topped it by saying he's the biggest crybaby in the league. And it was awesome. <laughs> and it was like my favorite moment of the whole game, bar none. Yeah, I I want to I want to throw out a quick quick Breen quote. Uh, they they cut to like this little girl in the crowd who looked miserable, and he he just deadpans uh, because Tom Thibodeau was right in front of her. Like, mommy, why does the man in front of me look so angry when his team is up by twenty five? <laughs> his delivery is just every single time. It's 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 so it's so perfect. Uh, I can't I can't wait to see him in in our HBO doc. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, I love 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 Mike and Clyde. And yeah, Alex, I, I'm 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 good to wrap up on that. Yeah, yeah. Good good happy notes to end on. Uh Luke is a crybaby and Tibbs is a miserable old man. Uh, <laughs> it confuses small girls. Um <laughs> anyway, this has been Locked On Nicks. Thank you all for listening. Uh we'll be back with one more game recap and uh one other show in the middle. So we'll we'll be back tomorrow with something. Truth be told, we probably I think we know what we're gonna talk about just yet. We'll figure something out. And then a game recap uh, for the Memphis game when the Knicks face the team that now I think is the two seed in the West, which is crazy, uh, on Friday night. So we'll see if this hot play can keep up. But until next time, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you guys all soon. Peace out.